today, um, on this Father's Day, I thought I would, I would begin by just expressing my thanksgiving for my father. He's not here, but he listens to all of my sermons on the podcast. So I'm giving my dad a shout out, and I, <laughs> I'm clapping for my dad. He listens while he jogs around town. Um, but I am very grateful for my dad. Um, my dad, if you knew him or have ever met him, he is the most patient man I have ever met in the world. You know, I was kind of annoying as a kid, always cool, calm, and collected. He was always present at everything in my life through scouting, through participating in the schools, just being around, all while he was running a small family business with my grandmother, a local lumber company in Conyers. And for many years, he ran the company with my grandmother, and then due to economic factors, it shut down. They ran another family business. She passed away. And so late in life, he found himself kind of without a career because he had run family businesses his whole life. And so he did this interesting thing. He began volunteering at the local elementary school that I used to go to, Pine Street Elementary. And then he began substitute teaching there. And then he became a paraprofessional for students with special needs at this elementary school, which was like wild after working with, with grown men in the hardware industry for all these years. And recently, um, he retired after 10 years from the school system, and I had the opportunity to be there. Um, I think we have a picture of him there, Pine Street Roadrunners, at his 10-year retirement party, and it was the last thing before the teachers were allowed to go home for the summer, and there was barbecue and, uh, you know, the principal giving all sorts of speeches, thanking the teachers for their faithfulness. And then uh, something kind of odd and interesting happened. Rather than showing a a slideshow of like, you know, students and memories of my father, rather than people getting up and telling stories, a teacher got up and she read a poem. She had written a poem about my father and the other teacher who was retiring. And she read this poem. And as she read the poem, you know, we all began to laugh at different times. We all began to tear up at different times. And then at at the end of the poem, I realized, you know, that poem had a way of just cutting straight to our hearts in the ways that slideshows and just telling stories can't always do. And as I was driving home, I was just thinking, that was so odd. Like, who writes poetry anymore, right? Like, people don't really write poetry. We don't really read poetry. I mean, I don't know about you, but when you're like sitting in the car, like in the passenger seat, or, you know, you play with your phone in the bathroom, just admit that you do it. Like, you know, not many of us or like reading poetry anymore. It's kind of an odd thing. Like the last poetry we read was maybe like The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost in high school language arts class and we had to memorize it. Or maybe, you know, we listened to some song lyrics and that's poetry. But as I was thinking about it, I was thinking poetry has a way of cutting to our hearts, of getting past sometimes our minds and just speaking to us in the depths of our soul. But it's actually kind of rare these days. And as I was thinking about that and preparing for this new sermon series that we're kicking off today, I began thinking perhaps that's why the Psalms are at the same time one of the most powerful books in the entire Bible, and at the same time one of the most neglected books in the modern church. The Psalms are both powerful, and I would say that in the modern American church they're also neglected, which is interesting since the Psalms were really the most popular book of the Bible throughout much of the church's history. Because for most of the church's history, people didn't have, you know, personal Bibles like we do where they would just read things at their home and the comfort of their their big chair. 
or read it at their desk at work. No, the only part of the Bible people had for many, many years was the book of Psalms. People, lay people, those who weren't ordained pastors would have those in their homes and they would read them. They would pray them. They would recite them as families together. This was the church's prayer book and people had them deep in their souls. And even before the church's modern history, before that, the Jewish people, this for them was their prayer book. This was a book of of poetry, of songs that they sang in the temple to God. This was a book that they had deep in their hearts. It's likely Jesus had all of the Psalms memorized. Which is why when you look at the New Testament, the most quoted passages, the most quoted book of the Hebrew scriptures that Jesus returns to over and over again is guess what? The Psalms. Because they just overflowed out of people because they were in the depths of their hearts. They gave words to any situation that people found them in. And so it's a bit surprising and interesting that that today, a lot of times we just kind of leave the Psalms to the side. And maybe it's because sometimes poetry And the lyrical nature of the Psalms is kind of hard for us to understand and relate to. Maybe it's because we don't really write in poetry anymore. Maybe it's because sometimes we just feel like we can't relate to the context. Maybe it's because we'd rather use our own prayers rather than using prayers that have written by other people. I don't know exactly why we've kind of passed on the Psalms, but this summer our hope is that we would re-engage them. And that they would become a part of our church's life and your life. And that they would help shape us to be the people that God wants us to be. Because the Psalms are originally words that people wrote to God and about God. But now through the Holy Scriptures, God has given them back to us as a gift. To shape our own words, our own thoughts, our own lives, and our own prayers. And so this summer, we're going to be spending the summer in the Psalms. And now, you might know that Henry County Spring Break is now three weeks long. And so, uh, you know, we're not going to cover all 150 Psalms because it's like it gets shorter and shorter and shorter each year. So each week, we're going to be looking at a different Psalm, but because there's 150 Psalms, we're not going to even scratch the surface. And so we want you to begin reading the Psalms on your own as well as a daily devotional practice. Maybe if you've been saying, hey, I don't know what to read, I don't know where to start, I'd encourage you just start at Psalm number one. And maybe read one in the morning, or if you want to be bold, you can read two, one in the morning, one in the evening, and just begin reading them and letting them shape you. And as you do that, and as we read through them together here on Sunday mornings, what you'll discover is that there is a lot of diversity in the Psalms. Some of them are short, some of them are long. There are many different authors. The Psalms were written over hundreds of years. They express many different emotions. They express despair and depression, anger, joy, thanksgiving, praise. There is a lot of diversity in the Psalms, but together their purpose is to help shape us into the people God wants us to be and to shape our prayers. And so this morning we're going to kick it off by looking at Psalm 107. Psalm 107. And because the Psalms are really were originally written to be said or sung communally together at the temple, um, during this season, we're, we're going to do some reading together as well. Maybe sometimes we're going to sing the Psalms in worship. 
Um, we don't have the original music to the, the Psalms, but we do have the lyrics. So we're going to be doing some different things. And today what I thought we'd do is as we read Psalm 107, we're going to do it uh, responsively, kind of back and forth. And so on the screen, you'll see some text that is bolded and underlined like that. And that's when we're going to read together. And then when it's not underlined, I'm going to read it aloud as well. Because you'll see poetry often has a pattern and there are some refrains throughout. And so let us begin reading Psalm 107 together. It begins this way. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. For He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of elders. One scholar said that the Psalms and the prayers contained here can be summed up with three different simple prayers. One is, praise God. The second is, help me God. And the third is, thank you God. And so as you can tell from this psalm and reading it, especially that refrain that you were reading over and over, this is a psalm of thanksgiving. Giving thanks to God 
for his deliverance, for redemption. Another word for redemption is, is being saved or being rescued in the midst of different situations. And throughout the psalm, we see different situations through which God has rescued people. People, as the, the beginning of the psalm says, from the north, the south, the east, and the west. The psalmist is remembering situations, recalling situations in which people have been rescued and redeemed. And throughout the portions I was reading, we see these different situations through which God has acted, and they all begin with kind of a desperate situation. And so at the beginning, we, we see that there is a story of redemption involving people who are wandering in the desert, people who are hungry, people who are thirsty, people who needed guidance. And when you think about that story, you might think about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness after the exodus. You might think about them living in exile in Babylon. So that's the first desperate situation. Then we see another desperate situation. We see a little vignette about someone who is in chains, who's in bondage because of their sin and their chosen disobedience to God. And they find themselves helpless, unable to break the chains. And then we, we see another story about someone who is on the verge of death because of sickness. And then finally, there's one about someone who is caught in a storm at sea. Like a boat about to be overtaken by the wind and the waves. It's not because of something they've done, but it's simply because of nature. In all of these situations, we see people who are in the midst of a desperate situation. They need God to act on their behalf, and all of them respond in the same way. In the midst of their desperate situations, what do they do? They cry out to God. They cry out to God, and we find that God answers their cry. And so the psalm, after narrating each of these kind of desperate situations and the cry to God, says that God guided the people in the wilderness to a city where their hunger and their thirst could be satisfied. God broke the chains that were holding people back. God gave life and renewal. God calmed the storms, the winds and the waves. And so we see desperation, we see a cry to God, we see God acting on people's behalves, and then we see what happens next. And if you notice what happens next, it is thanksgiving. After God works on the behalf of the people, each time in this refrain, we see that God's people give him thanks. And the psalmist is reminding us here that the proper reaction to God's good action in our lives and in the world is thanksgiving. To give God words of praise. And as generations have reflected on the psalms, I mean, these psalms have shaped people's lives. They've shaped their understanding of God, how we're to pray to God, how we're to live in the world. And the psalm is given to us not just as, as a simple prayer we, we kind of say or we sing or we recite, but God has given us this psalm so that it too would shape our lives and help us become the people that God has created us to be. And when you look at the psalm, it's, it's pretty easy to place yourself in it. Because here's the truth, each of us have found ourselves in the midst of desperate situations, like we see in the psalm. I know some of you in here, you have faced literal 
hunger and thirst. You've had times where, where you're struggling and you knew you couldn't do it on your own. Others of us, like myself, have had those times in our lives where we're spiritually thirsty and spiritually hungry. We're going through life and we know that there has to be more to life than this, than waking up, going to work, playing on the computer, and then going to sleep again, right? There has to be more than life. We've found ourselves in that situation. All of us have found ourselves in the midst of bondage to sin. Like chains, it's held us back from becoming the people that God has created us to be. We found ourselves helpless. I've sat with many of you and prayed for many of you in the midst of sickness that's leading you to be close to death. And I think all of us can relate to the image we see in the psalm of of a boat that is about to be overtaken by storms and the seas. Because a lot of times that's how it feels in our lives, that this is just all too much. And it's about to come caving in. We've all found ourselves in the midst of these desperate situations like, like we see the psalm naming. And the temptation for us in the midst of these desperate situations is to try to get ourselves out of them, right? It's to try to think positive thoughts, to be happy, maybe make some goals, tell other people, We try to become self-sufficient, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But what we find in the psalm is that the path to redemption and the path to salvation isn't paved with self-sufficiency, but instead it's paved with pleas and cries out to God. We find that when people cry out to God, God hears their cry and God answers them. And so we see encouragement to cry out to God no matter the desperate situation, no matter the situation we find ourselves in in life. And we find that God will act. God will work for good in our present situation. God will work for good in many different ways and in many different ways for redemption in our lives now. And we know this because God has already worked for our good and for our redemption in the past. You see, when the world was in darkness and we didn't know where to go or what to do, God, out of his love, sent Jesus into this world to guide us and to give us light. When the world was hungry and thirsty for living bread and for living water, God, out of his love, sent Jesus into this world to provide for us. When the world, when we all found ourselves in bondage to sin and death and there was nothing we could do about it, God, out of his love, sent Jesus Christ to live, to die, and to rise again for us. God has acted in the past and God hears our cries in the present. And he is working for our good and our redemption. And so he invites us to cry out. He acts. And then like we see, when God acts in our life, Our response is to be one of thanksgiving. The response to God's good action in our lives is to give him thanks. And now look, you know there are many ways to give thanksgiving to God. You can do it through simply being present in worship, giving God the glory and the honor he's due. You can do it through through, through giving of your time and your talents giving financially. You can do it through singing. You can give thanks to God through prayer. You can give thanks to God by 
by thanking other people that he's placed into your lives. You can give thanks to God by being obedient to him. There are many ways to give thanks to God. And we see a call to thanksgiving here in this psalm for what God has done on our behalf in the past and in the present. But it's not only good to give God thanks because it's right, proper, and honorable, but it's also good to give God thanks because when we don't give God thanksgiving, we begin to forget the good things that God is doing in our lives. When we don't give God thanksgiving, we begin to forget the ways that God is working in big things and in small things in our lives. Some of you might be familiar with Corey Ten Boom. She uh, was a Christian in Nazi Germany, and her family was a Dutch family, and they, they helped people escape. They helped Jewish people escape from the terror that was going on. And because of that, her and her family were imprisoned in a concentration camp. And her sister and Betsy were put in the same set of barracks. Thankfully, they were able to smuggle in a Bible. And during that time, their barracks, as you can imagine, were, were overcrowded. There were fleas. It was nasty. There wasn't good sanitation. And her, her sister Betsy began reading the Bible. They began reading it together in secret. And they came across psalms like this one, psalms that encouraged them to give God thanksgiving, which is difficult in the midst of their circumstances. They began to read passages where it says, you know, give thanks to God in all circumstances. And so Corey Ten Boom's sister, Betsy, came to her and said, you know what, we need to thank God for the fleas in our barracks. And Corey had the response that I would have if one of you came to me and told me that you should thank God for the bugs in our church. I would say, that's, okay, that's absurd. I don't know if that's exactly what, you know, the Bible's talking about or whatever. But her sister said, look, no, it says give thanks in all things. So let's give thanks to God for the fleas. And so they actually began... We read in her memoir, giving thanks to God for the fleas in the barracks. And around that same time, something interesting began to happen. The guards stopped coming around and they stopped checking on the barracks. And so Corey and her sister were able to begin leading a Bible study publicly in the concentration camp in their barracks. They were able to begin prayer meetings there among the women, and many of the women came to faith in Jesus Christ. And it wasn't until later that Corey learned why the guards weren't coming around in her barracks. And it's because there were fleas, and the fleas kept them away, and the fleas enabled them to do this good work that God had prepared them to do. I'm not good at giving thanksgiving, much less for the small things like fleas than, than I am for the big things. It's something that, that I struggle with. This is a message I'm preaching to myself this morning. But my wife, Emily, she's a lot better at giving thanksgiving and gratitude than I am. And she has this practice where every night when we're lying in bed before we go to sleep, she has a, a gratitude journal or a little note on her phone. And while I'm just scrolling Facebook, seeing what 
stuff has you know, been going on today. She is practicing the spiritual discipline of giving thanks to God. And what she does is she simply writes down three things that she's thankful for that day. And she just says, you know, God, I'm grateful for these things. And sometimes they're very small things. Like, hey, God, I'm grateful that nothing crazy happened today. You know, hey, God, I'm grateful that Jonathan made up the bed this morning. You know, hey, God, I'm grateful. Sometimes it's big things. I'm grateful for health. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for salvation. And now I looked through last night. I mean, she has like hundreds of things that she's grateful for. And so she can take those notebooks and she can look back and see God's work in her lives. And this came to my mind recently because all week long, Dwight Snyder and I have been representing our church at the North Georgia Annual Conference of United Methodist Churches and Pastors in Athens all week long. And you know, there's a lot of friends there I haven't seen in like a year, pastors, people serving all different parts of the state. And so they'd come up to me and they'd say, hey, how are things going? And over and over again, I would just be like, yeah, things are good. You know, nothing, nothing too high, nothing too low. You know, things are kind of cruising. And I just kept giving this generic answer over and over again. And then finally, I just stopped and I began to think, how are things going? What, what has been going on in my life? And it only took about five minutes. And as I began thinking about what has been going on in my life, what has been going on in this church, a lot of good things quickly came to my mind. I mean, I was like, well, this week we're hosting Street Grace and we're going to be talking about important issues of justice that can help people in our community. And our church is going to be engaging in a new way. I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. A couple weeks ago, Cole Rozier spontaneously was baptized here at the church. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I was thinking about all of the guests and the visitors and the way Harvest Point is welcoming and loving. Not all my friends can say that about their churches. Began to think, wow, you know, I have a good marriage. I have a home. God has saved me. No matter the chaos going on in life, I can have hope for the future because I know my future is secure with God. As I began just going through after five minutes, I was like, wow, God's really been doing some great things in my life. And there's a lot to be thankful for. But here's the thing. A lot of times I don't take time to slow down and to reflect and to think about the different situations I face, the different experiences I've had, and how through my cries God has acted on my behalf and how God has worked for my good and for his glory in the small things and in the big things, and in only just a few minutes, all of those things came to mind. And so I think the psalmist is giving us a good word. I think the solution to a lot of our malaise in our lives and in our society is to step back, to reflect at where we've been, how God has acted on our behalf, and to give God thanks as the psalm says to give thanks to the lord for he is good and because his love endures forever the psalm says let the redeemed of the lord tell their story we're called to tell our story to him and to the world
And so because one of my, my principles as a pastor is to not just preach things and for us to have more knowledge, but for us to put knowledge into action, what, what I want to do is we're, we're just going to take about a minute or two minutes and give you on this busy Sunday, I know you know some of y'all are trying to get down to Buckner's for a good lunch. Just, just take a minute and to reflect on our lives, the situations we found ourselves in, how God has acted, and to simply say, God, thank you. And so, I mean, there's pens in your seat backs you can write in your bulletin if you want to just make a list of things you're thankful for. If you want to pray just in the stillness of your seat, bow your head and just say, thank you, God. If you, if you want to come up here, I want to give you just a minute to reflect. And maybe right now you're in the midst of one of those desperate situations. And if that's you, then we encourage you to cry out to God. He hears you. Maybe you're grateful for something God did a long time ago in your life. Maybe it's something you're grateful for now. But we want to give you a moment to think, to reflect on different situations as the psalmist did and to give thanks. So we're going to give you a moment to do that personally, and then together we're going to sing and give God thanks through our closing song.